just a little update on what's going on with the uh, building situation. We're going to have a meeting on the 8th. We're going to start our next step is what meeting on the 18th over at the barn in Johnston. Now, somebody thought earlier this morning we talked about the bar in Johnston. It is the barn in Johnston. If you don't know where it is, uh, just call somebody from Johnston. It's right off of Merle Hay, uh, just the west of Merle Hay Road by the library. And that's going to be, uh, I believe, at 7 o'clock a week from Wednesday night. Uh, Raleigh's making homemade ice cream for everybody, so thanks, Raleigh. So there'll be plenty of ice cream to eat. And um, uh, no, I think there'll be ice cream there, but I doubt that he'll have a hand in it. But at any rate, uh, uh, and uh, we'll, there'll also be uh, a nursery for kids. We'd like people of all ages to be there. It's a question and answer session to find out. Uh, you can ask questions. Hopefully, we'll have the answers. Uh, member, uh, members, some of the elders and deacons and, and some other people on the committee have been meeting uh, on a fairly regular basis to get things done. Here the last few weeks, we're on what we call a due diligence period. We've got, probably got about 45 days left, left in that um, to um, probably less than that, probably 35 days uh, to, uh, to go do a, what we call discovery, looking at different, different things. Um, that might be an issue when it comes to uh, buying this building, closing on the building, utilizing the building, and so forth. So uh, that's uh, going to be happening. And then the 29th of July, which is a, the last Sunday of the month, we're going to have a vote from the congregation uh, to uh, move forward with this. So that's kind of what's coming up. Um, we appreciate your prayers. There's a lot of things to take in consideration, a lot of issues that I'm sure uh, uh, it's, it's when you get into this thing, you have no idea uh, how many things are involved here. So anyway, uh, we will hopefully see you on the 18th. We'd like many people to be there. We don't care how, what your age is. It's air conditioned where we're going to be in the lower end of the barn over in Johnston. So uh, we'll hopefully make it comfortable for you. Again, nursery for uh, children. So bring them along and uh, uh, we'll try and take care of that. So thank you. I'm, a, I'm really excited this morning because uh, Ron and Betty stuck around. Normally, Normally, as soon as they hear I'm speaking, they run out the door. That's a true story. When's the last time you've heard me speak? Uh, yeah, all right, 2010. All right, so it's good to have them here. Thank you. Thank you for sticking around today. It means a lot. Uh, we are continuing in a series, uh, Training for Godliness. We've been, I think, maybe the last four, five, six weeks talking about this idea of training for godliness. Train ourselves to be godly. And we've looked at prayer. We've looked at study. We've looked at learning and evangelism and these type of things. And, and we want to remind ourselves, these things are all awesome. They're things we want to be involved with, but these are not the things that are going to earn us a right standing with God. All right, We don't do these things to earn a right standing with God. We do these things because through Jesus and through the work on the cross, we have a right standing with God. And so now I'm motivated, not that I have this sense of duty, not that I know, okay, I got to go, I got to do this stuff. I need to please God. I need to do all these things. No, I'm motivated by what he has done for me. And that's what we want to continue to remind ourselves as we talk about training ourselves, as we talk about disciplining ourselves. We do it, and we want to do it because of this awesome thing that he has done for us. Amen? So we are going to continue this morning, and if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. We are going to talk about fasting this morning. Now, as we, uh, our preaching team met and, and met for lunch, and we were kind of talking about who's speaking on what, I think a lot of people assume if you're skinny, you know how to fast. All right, so my whole life, you know, I weighed 70 pounds in eighth grade. You know, I, my nurse called my uh, mom in sixth grade, you know, 
there's something wrong with this kid. All right, so everybody assumed my whole life I was a poster child for, you know, uh, feed, feeding the hungry here. But, you know, people kind of assume with my build that, that, that I fast. Well, that, that's not necessarily the case. And, in fact, one of the best parts and the thing I enjoy most about speaking is the time you dig in and you study and you read and, and you really begin to learn and see what fasting is about. Now, I'm a guy that, that you know, this, this discipline is something, you know, I've struggled with. It's, it's not been something I've done well uh, with this, this idea and this, this discipline of fasting. Uh, but it is a discipline, and, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6 and uh, verses 16 through 18, here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the words of Jesus God, we thank you for this series on training and disciplining ourselves for godliness. God, we want to be motivated by what you have done for us. God, we want to begin to look like Jesus. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So three things we want to look at, a little alliteration for you this morning. The first is the reason of fasting. The second one is the regimen of fasting. And the third one, results of fasting. So if you're taking notes, here they are again. Reason of fasting, regimen of fasting, and results of fasting. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 here. First of all, the reason for fasting. Here are the words of Jesus. He says, when you fast. When you fast. He said the same thing about prayer up in verse 5, uh, same chapter. He says, and when you pray. And when you fast. What does that statement assume? And when you fast, he doesn't say, you know, if you decide to fast or if you do fast, when you fast. Jesus making the assumption that this is something people practice. And so we're going to make the same assumption, when you fast. And if I'd ask the question, I don't need a show of hands, but I ask the question, spiritual disciplines, and you think about fasting, is fasting something I practice? Is fasting a part of of my spiritual life. You know, we, we, we hear these, these messages and we hear prayer. Oh, yeah, I know I need to be praying. We hear a message on sharing the gospel. Oh, yeah, you know what? I know the Great Commission. I need to be sharing the message of Jesus with other people. We hear, we hear a message of studying the word. We hear a message of learning. Yeah, you know what? I need to do those things. And we look at something like fasting and it can be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's all right. That's not bad. Okay? But we want to look at this. And we, this is something we want to put into practice. And, and we'll take a look at why. But Jesus says, when you fast. So we want to look at the first, first idea that, that we are assuming that fasting is a part, and, and it, as well it should be. Look at the life of Jesus. Before he began his ministry, what did he do? Forty days fasting. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, what's he teaching? When you fast. The early church, if you look at Acts 13, Acts 14, it says they were praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. So Jesus did it. Jesus taught it, and the early church practiced it. Think it's important? Seems like it is to me. If Jesus is going to do something, if Jesus is going to teach it, and the early church is actually going to do it, it seems like it's probably something 
for us as well. And that's what we want to be challenged with this morning. That fasting needs to be part of our spiritual disciplines. That fasting needs to be part of our lives. The purpose of fasting, and there's a great book on fasting. It's uh, called A Hunger for God by John Piper. Uh, it's a book I've read a couple times. I read, you know, most of it this week and reading through it, really challenged and excited, you know, about this idea and reminded again of the importance of fasting. But early in, the, early in the book, Piper says this. He says, the birthplace of fasting is a homesickness for God. The birthplace of fasting is a homesickness for God. And I love that because we get this idea, okay, fasting. It's me giving up this thing. Whatever it is, you know, food, whatever it is, I'm going to give this up. This is going to be my sacrifice to God. But that is not the point of fasting. You look at many religions, and it is, right? You know, you hear stories of of people fasting for many days for a political purpose or for some other reason. And their purpose is, you know, hey, we want this, you know, we want that. But the purpose of fasting, of spiritual fasting, is communion with God. And it's birthed out of this, this homesickness for God. I remember uh, my wife and I, when we began dating, and then ultimately we were engaged, and she was living in Dubuque, I was living in Des Moines, and after we got engaged, and and even before that, there was this sense, man, I really wanted to be with her. I really wanted to spend time with her. And we would write letters back and forth, and we argue about who wrote letters first. I wrote a whole lot. I've shared that story with you months before she ever wrote me one. But, not to bring up past, uh, but, but. We would pour over these letters. Oh, man, I want to see what she was doing. I want to see what she was thinking. I, I would read it again. But there was this, this longing and this homesickness and this, this wanting to be with Karen. One time she, she was a teacher, and she was sick one day, and, man, I, I dropped everything I did, and I bought some orange juice, and I drove to Dubuque. I thought, man, I'm going to spend time with her. If I have an opportunity to spend time with her, I'm going to do it. And there was this longing to be with her. And fasting is to give us that that type of picture. It's a longing to be with God. It's a longing to commune with him, to spend time with him. Don't look at fasting as just something that, all right, let's skip lunch. All right, did my fast for the day. All right, that's, that's not the point of fasting. The point is, yes, are we giving something up? But what are we replacing it with? Replacing it with him, spending time praying spending time in his word, spending time in communion with him. That is the point of fasting. And, I, and I've, I've maybe not always grasped that. I remember in college and we were studying fasting and trying to learn what to do. And I thought, all right, I'm going to do a fast. Not going to eat until 6 o'clock tonight. And I had it in my mind, I'm not going to do it. So I, I go through the day and look, all right, not 6 yet. And 6 o'clock is, is approaching. And I was living in an apartment, a couple single guys living together and, uh, you know, the food different type of things, but 6 o'clock was rolling close, and there was this pi- bag of dill pickle chips, and I think when you fast, it's much like being pregnant, all right, things normally that may not whet your appetite, all of a sudden you have a longing for, and I'm seeing about 4 o'clock, there's this bag of dill pickle chips, and I'm, oh man, can't wait till 6 o'clock rolls around, can't, 5 o'clock, all right, 5.15, 6 o'clock rolls around, I rip this bag, I eat the entire bag. I missed the point, I missed the point of what fasting was. Fasting wasn't so I could give up those dill pickle chips or food or whatever, and then at 6 o'clock just indulge. The point, yes, I'm giving something up, but I'm replacing it with something better. I'm spending time with him. And so instead of this longing for the dill pickle chips, the point of fasting is that I get a picture of what my longing for Christ is to be. 
that is what fasting is all about. It has a birthplace and a homesickness for God. We talked about this briefly, but, but fasting uh, is not necessarily just food. Okay, Fasting can be other things. It, this uh, was... It's a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a pastor in the 1900s in the Westminster Chapel. He said, fasting, if we conceive of it truly, must not be confined to the question of food and drink. Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. There are many bodily functions which are right and normal and perfectly, perfectly legitimate, but which for spe- special particular reasons in certain circumstances should be controlled. And that is fasting. So it's beyond just food, although if we look in the Bible, that's essentially what they were doing is they were fasting for food. But it's beyond that. It's things that that may control us. There's things that may dominate our lives. I had a friend uh, that I work with, and he's Catholic, and, you know, Lent rolls around, and, and what do they do? They give up something, don't they? And for him, he was giving up Facebook. He was going to give up Facebook. And the principle and the idea of Lent, man, it's great. And that he's going to give up something that he spends a lot of time on, that he's, you know, takes up a lot of his time, his energy, whatever. He was going to give that up. But what's the point of giving it up? In its place, are you spending time with him? In its place, are you communing with God? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you digging into his word? Are we praying and petitioning God? That's the point. The point is not, all right, I'm going to give up Facebook and do my duty. That's my spiritual discipline. I'm going to do this, you know, so on and so forth. The point is, what are we replacing it with? There's a quote uh, in his book, um, Celebration of Discipline. Richard Foster says this. He says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is the wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other things. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. That's true, isn't it? Man, if if I'm going to fast, and if I'd ask my wife, you know, what should I fast with, I can guarantee she could tell you what my answer would be. It'd probably be this, or my iPhone, or whatever it is things that control us, things that consume our time. Imagine if I put that down and I use the excuse I need it for work, you know, so on and so forth. And, but, man, if I put that down and in its place, you know, what if I was digging into the Word of God? What if I was studying what fasting was? What if I was spending time in prayer, communing with my Savior? That's the point of what fasting is. And fasting reveals the things that control us. And that is the point. So we talk about this, this reason for fasting, and ultimately, uh, fasting, is, as we look at it in the Bible, is you know, the giving up of food. It's foregoing food, and, and food is the greatest picture, is a great illustration, is a great picture of Jesus. Food nourishes us. Food helps us grow. Food, ultimately, is our nutrition. That's the picture of what Jesus offers us. God gave the manna, Right, to the nation of Israel. He gives the manna. And, and he didn't withhold. See, the test for them was not withholding food. It was giving it. It was giving the food. And for us, this is the picture of what Jesus offers us. What's he say in John chapter 6? I am the bread of life. What does he say to the woman at the well in John chapter 4? 
I am the living water. Jesus is this picture. Now food, man, food is a gift of God. These things, they're, they're gifts from God. These things that, that, that seemingly are great things, they are. They are gifts from God. Food is a gift from God. But fasting is us saying, all right, you know what? I'm going to forego the gift and spend time with the giver. I'm going to forfeit the emblem and spend time with the one who created it. That's what fasting is. Is it great to, to have a great meal? I talked a few weeks ago about my grandma Margaret's meal. Still long for those, don't you, Grandpa? Oh, man, they're the best meals. I love those. I long for them. They were a gift from God, that kind of food. But to give it up and to forfeit it is saying, you know what, that's good, but I want something better. I'm going to spend time with the Savior. I'm going to commune with the Father. I'm going to dig into his word. I'm going to understand and experience the bread of life. I'm going to drink the living water. This is what Jesus offers us. This is what he wants us to experience. That's why fasting is so, so important. Not that those things are bad. Not that dill pickle chips are bad. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. It's not that those things are bad, but what is better? And we forfeit that thing for a time and we commune with a living God. 1 Timothy 4, 3 through 5 talks about everything good is from God. And fasting is not saying no to these things, but it's simply choosing what's better, choosing the giver over the gifts. Philippians 3, 7 and 8 says, Count everything a loss compared to knowing Christ. I compare everything a loss compared to knowing Christ. The essence of Christian fasting is what? It's to know him. That is the point of fasting. The reason of fasting, the reason to fast is to know that's what we want to understand. So, so when we ask you and we challenge you to fast, it's not that you can look, all right, I'm going to do my, do my job here. I'm going to do my diligence. I'm going to give up lunch tomorrow. That's not the point. The point is, all right, I give that up, but what am I doing instead? Who am I spending time with instead? Am I eating the bread of life, drinking the living water? That's what God wants. That's what he desires in fasting. So that's the first point is the reason of fasting. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. A quote by J.C. Ryle says this, Let us learn from our Lord's instruction about fasting, the great importance of cheerfulness in our religion. Those words, anoint thy head and wash thy face, are full of deep meaning. Are we dissatisfied with Christ's wages and Christ's services? Surely not. Then as, let us not look as if we are. What he's telling us? The same thing that we saw when we talked about prayer a few weeks ago, the same thing we see here. What is Jesus concerned with? What is Jesus concerned with? Is he concerned with the action? He's concerned with our heart. And the whole message of the Sermon on, our, uh, Sermon on the Mount is Jesus getting to the heart of the matter, that the heart is the issue. Now, our actions are, should reflect our heart, okay? But the point is not the actions, but the heart. 
And it's the same way in fasting that he's telling us it's not that you just go and you do it and the world can see you do it and you're doing this great religious thing. Oh, you know, I, I'm not on my iPad for a week and, you know, I, I'm not on Facebook or, you know, I skipped lunch today or, you know, that, that's not the point. I don't want to go out and tweet that, okay, hey, I'm taking three days off from eating here. It's not a look at me. I'm a spiritual thing. I'm a spiritual person. I have a point between you and God. Now, one point to be made is it's um, being seen fasting and fasting to be seen are two different things. To be fasting to be seen, right? That's what he's talking about here, the hypocrites. I'm fasting so the world can see me. Oh, man, that guy's spiritual. Look at that guy. He's fasting. Like I said, I can always look like I'm fasting, so I keep that oil on my face. But we're not fasting to be seen. But it's different from being seen fasting. All right? what, what a thing that, hey, you're skipping lunch there, or what's going on? Man, I'm spending time with him. You know, that's what's going on. If someone sees you fasting, it's a different thing. The book of Acts, we talked about Acts 13, Acts 14. I mean, that was a group of people. That was the church praying and fasting together. It wasn't an individual thing. So they were probably seen fasting, but they weren't fasting to be seen as religious. They were fasting to commune and spend time with the living God. That's the point of fasting. That's the regimen. Regimen means the principle or behavior, and uh, that's the regimen of fasting. That, again, we, we're not fasting to be seen, uh, but we're fasting for him. The last thing we want to look at are, are the results of fasting. Here's what it says at the end. It says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The results of fasting are what? You see that at the end? Will reward you. Now, we want to be careful with that, because our our definition of reward and and God's definition of reward are, are probably two different things. But there is a reward with that. Now, Jesus says it, so it's got to be true, right? But something happens, I think, when we spend time fasting, when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time in communion with God. You know what happens? And all of a sudden, our heart begins to change. And what we hold important begins to look like what God holds to be important. God begins to change our heart. God begins to shape and to mold us to look like Jesus. And all of a sudden, the things that we may have thought were a reward aren't really a reward. But the things that God wants and the things that God wants to see, that becomes our reward. This full and abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10, exceedingly abundant, as Paul says, anything more than we could ever ask or imagine. Talked about the, the prayer of Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will on earth as it is in heaven. These are the kind of rewards I think that Jesus is speaking about. If we get a glimpse of what that is. That it's not, you know, I, you read some books, and I read a book recently, and the guy was, was talking, you know, this wasn't, you know, this might have been six or seven years ago. And I didn't make it past chapter two because he was talking about in it, you know, we all have this, this promise that our life is going to be better than our parents' life. And he talked about this. It was really a prosperity gospel. Man, I tossed this book out as fast as I can. There's no promise of that. I mean, look at the disciples' life. There was no promise of that. 
the reward we're looking at is not that. It's, there's nothing in here, there's nothing in being a disciple of Christ that, that would even give a, a picture of it being easy. It's not easy. Don't be fooled. Following Jesus is not easy. Picking up your cross and following him is not easy. And so the reward that Jesus is talking about, man, it's something different than maybe what we think of as an earthly reward. Man, it's, it's your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's that full and abundant life. It's that exceedingly abundant, more than you could ever ask or imagine. This is the kind of reward that God offers. There's a statement in the book that I read in, uh, by Piper, and it says this, God does not save us by grace through faith and then reward our fasting through works. It says over and over, Scripture, God promises to come to the aid of those who stop depending on themselves and seek God as their treasure and help. And that's the point. We realize, well, it's not what I can do. It's not in my own strength that the, the bread and the food of this world can offer, but it's in his strength. It's in the bread of life. It's in communing with, with the one who can give us the living water. And that is the point. The, the fasting is an offering of emptiness to God. He says this, when God sees this confession of need and the expression of trust, he acts. God rewards fasting because fasting expresses the cry of the heart that nothing on earth can satisfy our soul besides God. I love that. Let me read it, read it again. God rewards fasting because fasting expresses the cry of the heart that nothing on the earth can satisfy our soul besides God. Isn't that true? Have you experienced that? That nothing on this earth can satisfy us besides God. That is the point of fasting. That these worldly pleasures, although good and a gift from God, man, are just a picture, are just an emblem to what God offers us through his son Jesus. The bread of life. The living waters. I want to read a story, and this was a guy who, who took fasting pretty seriously. And it was a story out of a book, and I'll butcher the guy's name, so don't hold that against me. But it says this, and you talk about rewards of fasting. I think this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, my own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. John Gong Kim in Seoul, Korea. Is it true, I asked him, that you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980? Yes, he responded, it is true. Dr. Kim was chairman of the crusade, expected to bring a million people. But six months before the meeting, the police informed him they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at the time was in political turmoil and Seoul was under martial law. The officials decided they could not risk having so many people together in one place. So Dr. Kim and some of his associates went to a prayer mountain and there spent 40 days before God in prayer and fasting for the crusade. Then they returned and made their way to the police station. Oh, said the officer when they saw Dr. Kim, we have changed our mind and you can have your meeting. As I went back to the hotel, I reflected that I had never fasted like that. Perhaps I had never desired a work of God with the same intensity. Can you imagine that kind of intensity that you want God to see something? You want God to do something. You want to see God work in ways you've never done. This guy fasted for 40 days. You ever fasted with that kind of intensity? I can't go to a day without eating, want to down some dill pickle chips. 
and that kind of intensity. That's what God wants. And the reward that God is talking about, that Jesus is talking about here, is probably that, right? His will being done on earth as it is in heaven, that exceedingly abundant, more than we could ever ask or imagine, that, that full and abundant life that Jesus offers. Man, this, this is what we're talking about. That is the reward of God the Father. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to have a chance to continue to worship, and a chance to continue to commune with God, to worship and to remember Jesus. But I want to challenge you. Like all these disciplines, like we talked about prayer and evangelism and studying and learning, we want to actually go and do it, right? We actually want to begin to discipline ourselves to be godly, to train ourselves for godliness. We actually want to go do it. So I challenge you, find a time this week to begin to fast, that we, that we make it a practice for our life, that fasting is actually something we do in our pursuit of the kingdom. God will show himself. God will reveal himself. God will draw near to you in it. When we forsake the pleasures of this world, even if they're good, to spend time with the giver, to spend time with the creator. And find a time this week when you can give up whatever it is. And if it's food, that might be it, or, or TV, or whatever it is, and replace it with him. Replace it with the bread of life, with the living water. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for his life and his teaching. God, we want to be challenged God, to give up things that, that are good for something that is better, to spend time with the Creator, to spend time with you, to commune with you, to get into your Word, to study, to meditate, to pray, to petition, whatever it is. God, help us to realize that you, you are what we need. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the living waters. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.